There goes that rooster again. All right, welcome to Chicken Space. This is the sixth episode, and uh, here at the Happy Hens Farm, going to go out and collect those eggs a little bit, just finish feeding them food. Uh, and then the thing that I want to spend time today uh, with is uh, just some work I've been doing recently and uh, about calm and about non-reactivity, about space. I know I've been talking about that the last couple times. I want to share this, and I actually want to invite you uh, to give me feedback if you uh, are, are willing to give it a shot. You can go to icemethod.com and send me a note uh, through there, and I would just love to be in conversation about this. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. Plus, uh, there's two new roosters at the Happy Hens Farm that I want to tell you about. Be back in just a second. It's a hard road that I'm going. It's a hard road that I'm on. Oh, I was hoping he was going to do that. That's our new little rooster. And uh, the reason we have two new roosters here at the Happy Hens Farm is because there's a family that got some uh, baby chicks. Oh, there you go again, little Buffy. And uh, it turns out those seven uh, eggs they got, or not eggs, but seven baby chicks, like two or three of them are roosters. So they were sure these two were. They were making all kinds of noise in their little downtown neighborhood. And so we now have these two roosters. The funny thing is our dog Milo has taken a total interest in one of these roosters. <clears throat> I kept them in a little cage for a few days and I would hold them and uh, they would bite me all right, and they would. But I got to hold them, and I really like them. They're so tiny; they're different from our other ones. Very pretty. They got lots of personality, a lot of spunk. So then I put them in with all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Then I put them in with all the eight other hundred other hens. And the next morning, one one had jumped out, and he's out here in the lawn in front. And our dog Milo has taken a total interest in him. And every time we've gotten another pet at our house. As long as we've had Milo, he's 11 now, he always becomes a caretaker for the new, uh, the new animal that we get. So when we get a cat, like we get really actually kind of worried that he's going like, to attack the cat. He's so interested in that, that animal. But there he is. He's taking care of it. And that's what he's doing with this rooster now. The rooster, of course, is not exactly sure that that's Milo's intentions. So the little baby rooster keeps sort of uh, running. He's not a baby. He's a juvenile. He's crowing now. Anyway, very cute. So, I got my egg baskets. I'm heading in. I actually am using a new mic. So, thank you to the people who are putting this together. Ken and uh, Mira and the sound engineer. And it's like, uh, we'll see if this one works. This is their recommendation uh, for making things sound a little bit better. So, thank you very much for your patience as I get this stuff figured out. Passing by the food there. And like I've mentioned before, um, boy, that's that little baby rooster again. He's a loud one. Anyway, like the food we collect, like I said, there's probably like over 850 chickens out here. There's 25 acres of food or maybe even 30 acres of food that don't have to be grown now to feed these chickens. I think that's amazing. And uh, like I've also said, part of my hope is that, oh, it's getting loud here, picking up all these eggs. Uh, my hope is that this is a model that can be shared. The eggs are way better than the ones we get from... Uh, uh, high production facilities where the birds live in little cages. We save all this food and you get an outdoor life. And a family could have a life living on a farm and make an income. Uh, but it's a lot of work getting this all put together as a model. In the process of it, I'll keep sharing it. Someday I hope we're ready to have interns or farm trainees here and show them what we're doing. Um, it'd be a very satisfying thing. So picking up these eggs, we got the white ones, a few of those, mostly brown ones, and we got those pretty blue ones from the Americanas. It's usually enough for uh, one or two of those in every dozen. So it's a very pretty dozen eggs a person gets when they buy a happy hen's eggs. <clears throat> wow, surprisingly quiet here for a moment. There we go, now you're talking, now you're bragging. Yep, letting us know you just laid an egg. All right, well, I'll finish collecting up the rest of these eggs here. Just wanted to make sure you got a little taste of the farm this morning. I do feel like it's something we can share as this life moved out here into the blue sky of western Washington. 
growing our own food, sharing this food with others. Um, this farm life, right? I know when I was a kid, I always wanted to live on a farm, even though I was growing up in Los Angeles. I've done a lot of different things, but this is the first time I've ever like, had a real farm. Oh, there's an interesting egg. So most of the eggs, they come out with regular shells on them, like the ones we get in the stores. Once in a while, a chicken lays an egg that doesn't have a shell on it. And there's one of those right now. So kind of looks like it's uh, been, been in vinegar or something like that. But it has that, that soft inner shell, you know, that uh, lining when you open up an eggshell. So I'm just going to toss this out and let those chickens go crazy over it. I'm not exactly sure why that happens, but once in a while it does. <clears throat> oh, it's a little noisier over here. Oh my goodness, you are you are just talking away, aren't you? All right, I'll give you another minute to talk to everybody and let them know that, that you're making their eggs and there's farms out here for us to appreciate and be on. Uh, we just had two, uh, two little kids come out this morning to visit. Some grandparents brought them out to visit and they were uh, tossing uh, leftover day-old burrito shells out to the uh, chickens. It was a very fun morning. All right, I will be back after I finish collecting the eggs. Just a minute. All right, finished collecting those eggs, those lovely eggs from the happy hands. And now I think I'll do some uh, weeding over here and the garlic and the onions while uh, talk about this next section. So you're doing whatever you're doing, you're driving, I'll do whatever I need to do, which is the weeding here. Interesting that as I started this <clears throat> recorder back up, I felt nervous. And it's interesting that I want to talk about calm and I was feeling nervous. So this is what I did. I said to myself, I feel this nervousness and I feel or see the space that is between myself and this nervousness. And that's the thing I want to share with you today. And I realized that like oh, sharing these things, these things I get excited about or become aware of, I can get a little nervous in terms of how you're going to take those. And uh, I've been checking this out with some different friends, and some of them are finding it very effective, and so I wanted to share it with you. And I'm thinking about different people that uh, Calm has made a difference for, and I want to thank my friend Tom for writing me a note. He was having some, some problems he was going through. They were legal issues that he was having to deal with. He said, I went outside at night, saw the moon, I looked at the point between the top of the crescent and the bottom, and I saw the space in between. And I said a little silent benediction to you, Lars. That was a nice email to get. Yeah, my friend Kevin, different people. So this is for you, and then the nervousness can go away, because I know like how this has made a difference for you, and how I'm not trying to push this on anybody, but I am really curious about... <clears throat> How, how much of our time we spend not being calm, how much of our time we spend in anxiety. So this is going out to a friend who said, hey, I want to talk to you. My wife is super anxious and she can't calm down. She still have those issues. And so this is for you. This is for your wife. This is with a prayer that, you know, maybe, maybe there's something here that can be useful. And so in my not calmness about starting this up, I said, as I, as I said to you, and this is what I'm going to invite you to do. I said, I'm noticing um, this podcast, and I'm noticing the space between myself and this podcast that I'm working on. So what I want to invite you to do, and if you just humor me and do it, and then we can talk about what's going on physiologically, neurologically, and the difference maybe, well, hopefully, that it can make for our life. But if you would just choose some something to look at, and just look at it, and then out loud, or if you can't say it out loud where you're at, you know, like say it out loud in your head at the speed of speech, don't just think it, say it. Say, I see the top of that tree over there. And I see the space 
between myself and that tree. There is nothing to react to in space. We are reacting to nothing. And I've talked about this in the ice method many times, but in that moment that we react to nothing, when there's nothing to react to, our stress response turns off or at least starts to minimize. So do this three times, please. Find something to look at. Say, I see, I see this blueberry bush that's in front of me. Whoa, I see a ripe blueberry there too. That's pretty exciting. I see this ripe blueberry. And I see the space between myself and this ripe blueberry. And see the space when you say it. So that's two. Do it one more time. This is a big old weed I'm looking at. I see this weed that I'm pulling. And I see the space between myself and this weed. So that's one piece of feedback I like. Is that when I do this for myself, I feel a physical difference. I feel it in my torso. I don't know where you do or if you even do, but yeah, go over to icemethod.com, find a contact form and send me a note. If you would, if you feel a difference or if you don't. A calming in your life just by noticing something. Speaking it out loud. And noticing the space between yourself and that something. Let me know, please. So there's a couple things going on here. One, the sort of countercultural thing is to pay attention to nothing instead of something. The empty space instead of filling up your space. I was just talking to someone on the phone this morning, 84 years old, and he's saying, you know, I'm, I'm just working on calm in my life more. He said, I am realizing that how in my entire life, this guy had served in his active service as a pastor, in my entire life I have always been going from one thing to the next to the next. I've been living in reactivity. And we're friends from a long time back. It's not that he's using the ice method for this so much. He appreciates what I'm doing, but he's using some different things, some different readings. Same thing, though. Realizing that, oh my gosh, we are like programmed in this culture to live in reactivity. So when you see the space, or when you say you see the space, you move into a position of non-reactivity, which is very different from the normal way we spend our days. But one of the things I'm curious about, and curious in sharing this right now, is that I think there's something special about saying it out loud, rather than just like, hmm, notice that tree up there, without verbalizing it. Because when we verbalize it, there's some neat things that happen. One is, we revert to the speed of speech. And that's much slower than the speed of thought, right? Speed reading, what are they doing? They're trying to teach us to not read out loud anymore in our mind. They're trying to teach us to just see and skim and scan. But when we slow down to the speed of speech, then our brain slows down to that speed. And we automatically become a little slower, a little less reactive. Now we're using speech in the way of moving towards seeing the space. You can, of course, use speed to get yourself, or speech to get yourself more and more reactive, angry or fearful or upset, right? We do that a lot. But now we're using speech to name something, an object, and then to name the space that we're seeing in between. And we're activating the muscles of our body that make, you know, our face that makes sound, our lungs that force air. <clears throat> our voice box, our jaw, the different brain 
parts that have to do with speech get activated instead of just noticing that top of that tree over there. And it can work without saying it, but what I'm finding as I, as I uh, experiment with this with people and see their reaction, the actual saying of it also captures our attention and focuses our attention. And so if we want our attention to be in calm, then this is a way of getting our attention there more effectively. So I'd like some feedback on that. Let's do it three more times. Let me know if you find it helping to bring your reactivity uh, down, your calmness up. So I see the peas growing over there. They're getting ripe. I see a ripe pea on the pea plant. Find your thing and say it out loud. And also, and I see the space between myself and that ripe pea pod. Find a second thing. I see a sunflower starting to bloom its first yellow. And I see the space between myself and the sunflower. And the third thing. Ooh, I see that row of kale. The beautiful green color of that row of kale. And I see the space between myself and that color green. Yeah, so let me know if you feel that. There's another thing that it can be useful for if you've looked at my book, The River of Life. You know, there's a whole chapter on what I call monkey mind or that chatter of the mind. And, you know, maybe you don't have it, but in honesty, anytime I talk to anybody about it, they say, oh, yeah, I've got that. Yeah, can't stop that chattering mind. Well, one of the super cool things about saying out loud that you see something and you see the space between while you're doing that, if a thought comes in that's monkey mind, it's not going to be vocalized. It's going to come in fast, non-vocal, and possibly, at least for me, often completely unrelated to whatever I'm paying attention to. If Ferris wheels show up sometimes as monkey mind thoughts when I'm actually thinking about feeding chickens. How can that be crazy? That's monkey mind. And it's a thing that's extraordinarily challenging for most of us to shut off. So, when you notice something's showing up now, if you're doing this exercise of saying, you know, like how it goes is, I am noticing the weeds that I'm pulling, and I'm noticing the space, between myself and the weed. So I'm putting myself now in a practice for a little while, a place of noticing, of noticing out loud. I'm just noticing there's an old big ballpoint pen in my garden, and I'm noticing the space between myself. I'm sure I'll have a monkey mind thought come up here in a moment or two to share with you, but I'm noticing the weeds that I'm pulling. And I'm noticing the space between myself and these weeds. And there's a sense in which you can say that everything arises out of this space. Like, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the garlic and the weeds if there was no space between them. It's the space between things that allows us actually distinguish them. And so noticing that space, we notice where everything arises from. We put ourselves in a place of awareness and attention. And I notice that big weed with big roots it looks like it may have disturbed the roots of the garlic plant. And I notice the space between myself that big weed. I've been doing this for a couple of weeks now. 
more and more. Letting my attention be where I want my attention to be. And then vocalizing where my attention is. Because if I actually want it to be in a place, once it's there, if I start speaking it out loud, or at least out loud in my mind, my attention tends to stay there more. And like I was telling you when I started this uh, little portion of the podcast here about explaining this, how I wasn't calm about explaining it and sharing it, like wondering how you take this and stuff like that, this little bit of nervousness that was showing up. Well, that's another thing you can do. You can articulate the emotion. And that's what I did. I said, I'm noticing my anxiety about starting this podcast. And I'm noticing the space between myself and this anxiety. You can have a space between yourself and your emotion. And that is a super valuable um, tool for living in the experience of calm. And when I speak out of the space, I can share that calm. I'm not worried about how you're going to take it or how you're going to judge me or, you know, or am I saying this good enough? Or if those thoughts come up, I notice that I'm wondering if I'm saying this well enough. And I notice the space between myself and the quality of my speech, my ideas. You and I, we come out of space. Out of nothing, we come into being something. Or out of everything, nothing and everything are related. We come into being. We can get back in touch with that space of nothing. then it becomes much easier for us to operate from a place of non-reactivity, space, non-reactive space. <clears throat> so, a couple things we've said here so far. One, look at a thing, out loud say, I see this thing, and I see the space between myself and this thing. Do this three times, noticing the space, and notice now how it changes the chemistry of your body. That's one of the first thing we did, was that. And I invite you, and like with the ice method, I said, no, it's not really a practice. It's just whenever you find yourself in a state of not calm and upset or something, you can use the ice method as a tool to reconsolidate that upset and get back to calm. But this is an invitation to a practice. Like if you feel the difference, well, I invite you to live from doing this practice often, as much as you can. I notice that I'm sitting at the computer and I notice the space between myself and my computer. I notice that I'm behind my deadline on finishing this project. And I notice the space between myself and the deadline. That'll do something for timeline anxieties. I notice my anger at what I just saw on the news, on television. And I notice the space between myself and my anger. And I invite you to this practice. So the first thing, I was saying, what have we done so far? The first thing is just to notice three different things. Notice the space between. Second thing is you now got a way to like notice, <laughs> to be aware very quickly, very easily, like when monkey mind shows up. All of a sudden, there's other thoughts in there that you haven't articulated, that you haven't said. Those are monkey mind. <clears throat> and then you can say, 
I noticed this monkey mind thought that just came in. And I noticed the space between myself and this monkey mind. So simple. Right, so that's the second thing, noticing the monkey mind. And then this next thing, I just mentioned it, like the anger at the thing that showed up on TV, but we can find the space, notice the space between our emotional reactivities. Emotional reactivities take our awareness away from calm into reactivity. When we become angry, we lose our sense of space, and we get instead a focus on a particular thing or emotion or concept or something to which we're having an emotional reaction. And what there is to do, so you can give me a feedback comment, is simply say, I notice my fear when I encounter this person or whatever. And I notice the space between myself and this fear. And when we notice that space, the reactivity fades away. for the moment. So, I've been playing with this for the last couple weeks and finding it extraordinary. It's directly related to the ICE method that I've done some mentioning about, so I should explain that, and then recommend to you my book called Memory Reconsolidation Applied if you want to learn the ICE method simple simple if you want to understand like how it works the brain science of it and how to apply it um but the ice method is based on memory reconsolidation and how that applies here in this little method that i'm calling out loud for now how that applies is that if you would do these first two things of noticing a thing like I'm noticing the cat has joined me while I'm weeding in the garden. And I notice the space between me and the cat, Charlotte. Those are the first two things. You notice something. I stands for identifying, right? Noticing something that has a charge on it. Even the cat, right? There's a reactivity to the cat and noticing that specific thing rather than nothing and everything. But typically, you identify something that has an emotional upset to it. Like, I notice my, and my sadness when I think of my family being far away. Okay, let's identify. And I notice the space between myself and this sadness about my family being far away. Now, if you want to reconsolidate that, if you actually want to bring a permanent calm to the thing you just noticed, you need to notice again the thing you noticed after you noticed the space. Notice the thing, Notice the space, notice the thing again. So whatever it is, I notice again the sadness that my family is far away. And now what there is to do is to notice whatever you notice about that. And in reconsolidation, you are literally bringing the chemistry of calm to whenever you activate something that's been upset. And then the calm replaces the upset storage. 
and I've used this and worked with hundreds of people to literally remove stored upsets from childhood, work situations, or family situations from their experience of life. So when they go back and revisit the experience, even a PTSD experience from war or sexual trauma or something like that, when they go back and visit, they can relay the experience calmly because the charge has been removed. It seems crazy that it can be this simple. I'm not saying it's easy. I think it is if you do it. I understand how it can be a challenge to bring our awareness into places like this. But here it is. Like for this person who called, said, you know, my wife is really anxious. If you will do this, if you will notice three things in a row, and notice the space between yourself and the thing you notice, you will begin to turn off the fight, flight, freeze, stress response. If you will then notice your anxiety, whatever shows up about it, just notice it. That's all. And then notice that there's a space between yourself and the anxiety. Notice that space. Then I notice again my anxiety. And notice whatever you notice this time about your anxiety. It may feel the, diff- the same, but in all likelihood, there will be a difference. That's a difference that comes about because of memory consolidation. Because of the way the brain works. That we can activate the stored upsets and they only restore in the same way if we don't do anything. Mostly, we don't do the specific thing we need to do during this labile phase. During this phase when the anxiety or the fear, the sadness, the anger has been activated. So you go back. I notice again this anxiety. Well, that was cool. I got the garlic weeded while we're chatting, so now I got two buckets of weeds to take over and give to the chickens. I liken this new mic to our sound engineers who recommended it to me. I hope it's going to work out nicely. Anyway, you're back in the anxiety and you notice what you notice this time. You may feel it differently in your body. You may have a different memory. The feeling of the anxiety, the emotion of it may change a little bit. Oh, rooster's crowing, probably excited because I'm bringing these weeds over from the chomp on. Toss them over the fence. They all come running. I know, it's not cantaloupe. It's not quite the same as when you get cantaloupe, is it? Weeds. Enjoy. All right, so here I am going about my daily life, sharing this process with you. You can do this stuff during your daily life, right? I'm seeing the space between me and the garlic. So you notice again your anxiety. You notice again whatever you notice about it, what feels the same, what feels different. And then just say this, and I notice the space between myself and my anxiety. There is a space there. Just notice it. Granted, that can be a challenge when we're we're in the middle of anxiety. You could maybe have someone just talk with you till you notice the space. And when you notice that space, you're saying it out loud, it's going to help. You notice that space. Once you've noticed the space, you do this. You say, I notice again my anxiety. 
and you notice what feels the same and you notice what feels different. Oh, I hope you'll try this. <clears throat> it just sounds so simple and it sounds like it's stupid maybe, like it can't work. But I can tell you that for hundreds of people that I've worked with, not with this out loud method, but with this method of memory reconsolidation, yeah, they, they, they discovered this in the lab. Made sense to me. I've been sharing it with people. People have been receiving relief from stored upsets in their life that they thought they would carry from whenever it happened through the remaining days of their life. PTSD events, all different kinds of events. So you visit again the anxiety. I notice this anxiety, whatever's the same or different. And I notice the space between myself and this anxiety. Notice the space. Once you notice the space, it doesn't have to be for long. Thing is, it's going to feel so good, you might not want to go back and notice the anxiety. But if you don't go back, then whatever you activated just glues back the same old way. It's the going back in from the space of calm, from the space of the space that reconsolidates the upset. So you say again out loud, I notice again my anxiety. And you notice whatever you're aware of this time when you go back. And maybe the emotion has changed from fear to a sadness. You know that so much of your, your life right now is occupied with reacting to the situations that are causing anxiety. See how it changed from a fear to a sadness? I'm making it up, but you know, that happens all the time. Something like that. You notice whatever you notice. And then, and I notice again the space between myself and this sadness feeling of my anxiety. And once you notice the space, gosh, I'm enjoying seeing the space here between me. Now I'm in the Walla Walla onion patch, and they're doing really well, and I'm noticing my excitement about having Walla Walla onions in a few weeks. And I'm noticing the space between myself and this excitement. It's really lovely to weed out of a space of being aware of the space instead of a time crunch. And that was one of the things I noticed before I even put this little podcast thing on. It's like, gosh, I have so many things to do. And I noticed my anxiety about all the things that I should be doing. Instead of making this podcast, and I noticed the space between myself and the anxiety of taking the time to make this podcast. And it might not be too much to say that this noticing of the space changes everything. Changes us from reactivity to non-reactivity so that I can be here weeding these walla wallas from a face of the awareness of space, the awareness of nothing, the awareness of everything, of infinity, of source, of God, if you want to use that word, right here with the Walla Wallas, where before I'd be racing through this to get to the next thing, and so my mind wouldn't even be on the Walla Wallas. It would be on being done with the Walla Wallas, and I wouldn't notice even the weeding of the Walla Wallas because my mind wasn't here, it was there. So it could be anxiety-producing. go a long ways towards stopping that by just saying, I notice my concern about time when I'm doing this podcast. And I notice the space between myself and this concern with time. And in noticing the space, I become present. And I can be here picking weeds and sharing this. And sharing it without a fear of how you're going to take it. Because I noted that out loud, this anxiety about would I be able to say this in a way that you get and that you care about. And then I notice the space between myself and that. And I find that a wonderful place from which to speak, calm space, from which to say words, an accepting place of whatever it is. All right, so that's kind of what I wanted to share about this out loud slowing ourselves down this incredibly agile mind slowing it down to the speed of speech hey there's a little grasshopper it's bright green usually they're brown so i'm noticing this grasshopper 
and I notice the space between me and the grasshopper. And you don't have to do this. You don't have to live this way. There's no better or worse, but I tell you, I'm finding it very powerful. I invite you to give it a try. I'm thinking about the other people that I've been working with recently, just sort of experimentally sharing this method, uh, especially thinking of one person who said, because I like it so much, she said, Lars, you've had a lot of great ideas, but this is not one of them. <clears throat> Keep reminding her of this, and we'll get a laugh out of it every time I remind her about it. But I think her sense, well taken, was that if I slow myself down to the speed of speech, I'm not going to get anything done. If I have to notice everything and notice the space between it, I'm not going to get anything done. And like that was one of the first days I sort of, uh, sort of was sharing this. And I think it's a good point. Like you don't have to notice every single thing in the room. I don't have to notice every single shallot. Now I'm in the shallot patch. I'm super excited about these because they keep long time into the winter and we'll have shallots way past Christmas this year if these guys keep growing well. And I notice the space between myself and the shallots and then present without noticing every single shallot and speaking every single shallot out loud. Notice what there is to notice. Speak it out loud and notice the space. Will it slow us down? Yeah. Will it slow us down and incapacitate us? I don't think so. I think it lets us actually slow down to the speed of being present to what we're doing, to what we're, what, what the present moment has. Like if I was spending the time weeding here thinking about uh, working on the chicken coop up at the new land, well, I would miss the sensation of the feel of putting your hand on the tip of a weed and pulling it out and getting all the roots. And these other ones where, like, put your hand up too high in the plant. There was one. And the root doesn't come out. And you got to dig around for it, and it's not coming out. And you dig in and find that root, and out it comes. Yeah, like you'd miss all that. Maybe we re-miracleize the moment when we inhabit it with our attention. And it's so easy to not be present. Yeah, all this stuff is relatively new for me. Just turned 58. I'd say somewhere around turning 50, this whole spiritual journey, healing journey started getting interesting to me. Of noticing, you know, and here's now this out loud piece to share with the long journey of the emotional freedom technique. EFT, which is an out loud technique, right? If you know EFT, an ice and the journey towards becoming aware of nothing and everything, riding the river of life, yeah. But I spent lots of my time, and still do monkey minding, but lots of my time dreaming up plans about things that were not in the present moment. And I would say I live more of my time now in the awareness of the present moment, and I would have to give credit memory reconsolidation as those upsets that have been in my life like the patterns and the ways that I've done things in my life that have charge on them anger fear and sadness as those reconsolidate as those become transformed to calm to non-reactivity they don't capture my reactive attention anymore when I tell you stories about my childhood or various different things that have had reactivity on them and when I encounter new ones that do, I have this tool to remove that reactivity. And so when the experiences of your life are, are not knocking you back into the past or creating anxieties for you about the future, I think you're going to have the chance to be spending more of your time in the awareness of the present moment. I see the space between me and these beautiful shallots. Yeah, shallots, I always thought they were so special. They're so easy to grow. Put one bulb down, and then they split, and they form four, five, six shallots. Really nice. You get a lot of of shallots out of that. I'm growing onions, too, and I really like onions. Like, I was just over there in the Walla Walla patch, but shallots, they just sound a 
little exotic, a little special. So they still have a while to grow. Hopefully they'll plump out some more in the next month or so, and then we'll harvest them, store them out in the garage, and eat them. Well, we ate them all winter long. Eat them till the following spring this year. Yeah. Well, I'm enjoying spending this time with you. Like maybe, maybe you're in the space here during this podcast because I certainly am. Hopefully, I mean, you could be driving, and you could just really be aware of the space between yourself and the steering wheel, between yourself and the car ahead of you, between yourself and your arrival at your destination, between yourself and the next task on your list when you arrive at your destination. Wouldn't that be something? If we could just like live from this place of calm. Yeah, it was really nice, like before this podcast started to, because I've been doing this for a while now, it's like noticing my anxiety about starting it. Say it out loud. I notice this anxiety about making this podcast, and I notice the space between me and this anxiety. And when I notice the anxiety again, I notice the group of people that have told me they're listening. What does it mean to speak to the diversity of this group of people? Your different experiences. Try to make a connection because it's different from speaking to just one person. And I notice the space between myself and that awareness that it feels different than speaking to just one person at a time. I went back and forth into that anxiety a couple of times. And then it all just felt like space. And that's when I turned the record button on. Now the sound, I'm making a joke. Oh, the sound engineers, right? No. I listen to this and say, oh, Les, you should have left the sound off, right? But that's me just cutting myself down. Just old patterns. It's like there's something here that's so amazing, so powerful, such a gift for living a life in the awareness of source. And it's simple. It's easy, too, if you just do it. The hard part about doing it is that when those reactivities capture our attention, it can be a challenge to say, I notice my reactivity, and I notice the space between myself and my reactivity. Instead, what happens is we get caught in that reactivity, and away we go. One leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next. It's like we need an interruption. Like you could have this podcast and notice that whatever minute it is right now, it's just like, well, whenever I'm not calm, I'm going to go to minute 54 or whatever, 26. I don't know what it is. No idea. And there I'm going to hear, oh, yeah, in the middle of this anxiety, speak it. I notice this anxiety that I'm feeling or this fear or this anger or this sadness, this upset, this reactivity. I notice it. I notice the feeling in my body of it. And I notice the space between myself and this upset. See the space. And when I see the space, I remember to notice the upset again. And I notice whatever there is to notice. And I see the space between myself and whatever I notice this time around. See that space. And then notice whatever there is of the upset that shows up this next time. I'm not done with this. Like I told you, I just did it for starting up this podcast, right? It's not like do this five times or 17 times or 1,000 times and it's necessarily over. You just do this whenever. You become aware of a stored reactivity making its appearance known in your life. And at some point, like I did with that podcast, it's like, oh, that's cool. This isn't calm. I know something I could use on it. I notice that I'm feeling anxious about starting this podcast. And I see the space between myself and this anxiety. Is it starting to sound like I'm repeating myself? Well, I guess that's true because there's really only this to say. But to pick it up as a piece of our life is to change, to make one of the most profound changes that I think we can make in our life. It's to shift from the focus on reactivity and accomplishment and doing and all of those pieces, getting, 
requiring. It's to shift from that to being aware of the space between everything and that there is a space inhabited by everything. God, if you want that word. There is a space of nothing inhabited by everything between you and all experiences of your life. If you could live from that awareness, you would have a peaceful life. That's not a bad thing. When I work with people, one of the things I do is just help them to keep their attention on this process long enough that it can be a habit that they can hold for themselves. So I do give private sessions to people, and you can find out about that at the ICE Method 2, icemethod.com if that's of interest. They can be really helpful. You can do this on your own right now. You can turn this podcast on anytime you want. You can go to my Facebook site, Lars C. Clausen, I believe it is. There's a whole list of videos I made that talk about the ice method and about calm and about learning to live from non-reactivity instead of from reaction. And there's a YouTube channel where I put up a bunch of videos. Those are all available too for whenever that journey of living from non-reactivity becomes interesting. This isn't the only way. Of course, there's lots of ways. But what I like about this is this is just directly about non-reactivity and a very direct process for bringing our attention to the awareness of the space that lies between all things. And so when we become a reaction to nothing, we become non-reactive. All right, got another bucket of weeds and walking them over to the chickens. I think I might have some more stuff to share, but I'm going to turn this off, reevaluate my tasks for today, see the space between the moments and the tasks and the duties of the day. Get on them and maybe I'll be back with something else or maybe this will be it for chicken space this week. I don't know if you can hear them now over there laying eggs. Some more weeds for you guys. Yep, still not cantaloupe. Yeah, there you go. All righty. All right. Thanks so much for this time together. Blessings and peace. Calm wishes. All right. Thanks for joining me for Chicken Space today, this episode six spending time uh, doing some weeding, thinking about chickens, thinking about calm, anxiety, uh, and this method of speaking out loud. So uh, if you want information on chickens, you can go to manyspokes.com and see the Happy Hens Farm. Uh, Theicemethod.com is a place to learn more about uh, memory reconsolidation and the work that I do. Again, if you get a chance to give me a comment, love to hear from you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Will you know Will your hands know my hands? I wonder. Where-